0: Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs, this is bonus episode 347, I'm your host Duncan McLeish, welcome to the show. Up on this episode we are doing Movie Club Challenge, teapots May 2021. This is the first of a four part series looking at the movies of Toby Hooper starting right here in the 70s with eating Alive from 1976, your reviews coming up after the first break. Before we get to that, let's catch up with where we are. Busy week under the stairs before and ahead of you. On Monday, we concluded our William Castle at Columbia box set series. On Tuesday, we kicked off the first of a three-part Russian Roulette franchise retro, looking at the Urban Legend franchise. That first part dropped on Tuesday. Today, Thursday, is your movie club. Episode. Then on Saturday, you get the second instalment of that urban legend Russian roulette franchise retro. And Sunday, Sunday, Sunday is the 88 Films slasher classic series of reviews. On the Teapots Collective, on Monday, you got a brand new episode of Opera Omnia, myself and Bo Ransdell finally hitting panic room in the Fincher filmography. This coming weekend, on Sunday, 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 you get doing the nasty. Myself and Mark Ball continuing to look at the tier three video nasty list, making our way to Jungle Holocaust, aka that movie that Rogero Diodato did before he did Cannibal Holocaust, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So that is your lot, that's you all caught up. Let's take a very short break just now. You're going to hear promos for Shows That I Love. You're going to hear the trailer for Eat Alive from 1976 when we return. It's your reviews coming right
1: up right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast Cure All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of...
2: They must be destroyed on
1: sight! As needed, and let the hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails you.
3: Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, rooster's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. If you were one of the millions of moviegoers who were electrified by the unbearable suspense and sheer terror of Jaws, get ready for Eaten Alive. <coughs> 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 Here you go. Hated by Toby Hooper, maker of the screen sensation, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Marty Rushton presents a new horror classic, Eaten Alive. <laughs> Into this house of terror comes a handful of unsuspecting innocents. Hello? What happens to these people in Eaten Alive will give you the most chilling, terrifying 90 minutes you ever spent in a theater. Custom presents *Eaten Alive, Mel Ferrer, Carolyn Jones, Stuart Whitman, Neville Brand. Get ready for *Eaten Alive, a new horror classic.
0: And welcome back ladies and gents. So yeah, *Eaten Alive was your first movie for our four-part series on Toby Hooper. So let's see how you got on with this movie. We're going to kick it off with Tim Walker coming in hot and heavy right at the start. Tim says, Dear Duncan and Teapot's folk, New director this month for Movie Club and it's one I've always liked but holy buckets he's made a few cinematic turds. Was eaten alive one of them? Let's find out. I've seen this one at least twice before over the years, the first being circa 2003 or so not too long after seeing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Inevitably this movie got compared to that and that's just not fair. No avoiding it though, there are definite similarities. The crazy over the top villain played by Neville Brand is very much like the hitchhiker in particular from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Marlon Burns is one of those protagonists in both those films. It's got great character actors throughout and of course it's got a visceral and grimy 70s grindhouse feel to it. Although Texas Chainsaw Massacre felt at times like a documentary and this one felt like a nightmare. On a first watch I wasn't particularly enamoured with Eaten Alive but I couldn't tell how much of it That was because I'd seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time and it didn't come close to that level of wicked awesome. That may have been the big reason why it didn't quite resonate so I tried again a few years later. I think I liked it a little more but it still didn't quite work for me. Which brings me to this watch. Did it improve? Yes it did. At least a little bit. It was more, I was able to get into it. I dug the grindhouse feel more this time, plus I appreciated Neville Brand's maniac performance. Also, I liked the dreamlike cinematography quite a bit. A lot of 70s and some early 80s films have used that soft focus look and it's always to their credit in my opinion. That shit is just right up my alley. Now, there are definitely still flaws with this one. None of the characters are particularly fleshed out. None of the dialogue is all that interesting and there aren't very impressive creature or gore effects. A lot of that stuff is kind of paper thin, but I still like it anyway. How much did I like it? Three out of five stars with the possibility of going up a little more on rewatches. Not great, but a decent little 70s grindhouse or drive-in horror film. My tagline, one dark road leads to crazy Judd's Motel no roads leave out well this one was totally up the there i had no idea if it would hold up because like i said on my first two watches i wasn't too high on it and i certainly didn't hate it it did hold up so my positive review streak remains although it's been tested several times recently with toby hooper his movies can go either way i've seen him make some masterpieces and some abominations it'll be interesting to see where we go next It'll also be interesting to see where my fellow reviewers stand on this one. It could be all over the place. Kind of like Hooper's career. Well, take care, teapots folk. Stay safe and don't go back to the woods the back-end motels and the swamps surrounding them. Take it from someone who knows. Tim. Thank you very much, Tim. Always great to hear it from you, my friend. I hope you are staying safe out there. The world may be getting a little bit better, but it's still, for lack of a better word, fucking crazy. Still a crazy, crazy world out there for sure. Let's swing into the audio review coming in from David Garrett Jr. David says
3: Hello, Duncan and T Puts listeners. David Garrett Jr. here, back again for Movie Club Challenge for May of 2021. Now, I was pretty excited, Duncan, when you said that we were going to switch over to Toby Hooper because he is a quite an interesting director with some of the movies that he's made throughout the years. Now, I didn't find it funny when I was listening to the episode asking, you know, if I had ever seen this one before or not or anything, you know, along those lines, and I actually did. And the reason being was that there's this movie challenge that I always do every October that is actually Hooptober, where you're supposed to at least watch one Toby Hooper movie, and I try to go for the ones that I haven't seen before, and this was one of the ones that I watched a couple years ago and was pretty, you know, shocked to see it that first time around. And I think part of that is it took me kind of a little bit to realize, you know, kind of what we were getting here. Because we're kind of just seeing events as they happen in the beginning without really much of the story being necessarily explained. It doesn't necessarily work against the movie doing that, though. Because I end up really enjoying this film both times that I've now seen it. What is kind of interesting here, though, is that this came out a couple years after the movie that you were alluding to, Duncan, of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But this one feels... Like, it should have came out first, because it almost feels like a step back from what he's doing there. And it would have made more sense, you know, if if they would have came out in reverse order. Now, I will say, I really like the idea of this crazy old man of Judd living out in the middle of nowhere. He seems to be semi-god-fearing, in that he hates the whorehouse that is just down the road from him. It is revealed later on in the movie, though, that he used to frequent there quite often, according to the lady who runs the whorehouse of Miss Hattie. And I thought that was kind of an interesting thing that, you know, he's kind of gotten eccentric and lost his mind a bit. I do dig the idea of this crocodile that lives in the swamp and that it was brought over from Africa. Now, Judd is fascinated at it. And the same kind of thing I have for it as well is that scientific idea here that crocodiles could potentially live forever and that they're also, you know, quite vicious as well. What is kind of interesting, though, is that, the kind of what is brought up in this movie is that they actually have to be killed in order for them to die or they'll just go on living and I think a lot of this is just kind of how they don't necessarily move around a whole lot so don't need to use a lot of calories for that type of reason now I do have an issue here is that I don't necessarily think the crocodile would be as vicious as we have in this movie unless he is legitimately starving it and it also kind of seems interesting is that judd seems to despise buck who is such a great character of a young robert england but i feel like there is a thing that's thrown out there is that buck is the one that actually got this crocodile for judd or was the one that brought it over and it ended up at judds now judd is a little bit unreliable though and it could have just been another character with a very similar name and i'm just getting confused And I also think it's interesting is that Judd has a wooden leg and I believe he states to another character that he got shot and that's why he has it. But Miss Hattie gives us another reason that the crocodile took off his leg, which I think is great. He doesn't really have a reason that he goes after some of his people that are staying with him, especially Roy and his family. I feel like there's just a few things here that could have easily been explained and could have tightened up the movie for me. Now something I will want to go here to next would be what makes this scary is that something like this could really happen now i don't think the crocodiles i said would be as vicious as it is forgive that though being movie logic but i could definitely see someone living out in the middle of nowhere and killing people and feeding them to you know an animal like this the swamp could also really hide bodies and help decompose them and i mean as i said you could have a crocodile as well but probably not eating them as fast he also wields a long-handled scythe which I think is a pretty cool weapon to use. Now, despite the lack of story, I do think this movie is paced very well, actually. It only runs about 91 minutes, so it doesn't actually overstay its welcome. I never get bored, and during I'm actually really interested to see what's going to happen next. Judd freaks out, and it works in the whole grand scheme of everything because he does it at the drop of a dime. It is also interesting to see him you know, directing his victims toward the swamp for obvious reasons, and I think the ending is quite fitting for everything that we've gotten you know, prior to that. Now I'll also say the acting is pretty interesting here. I do think that Neville Brand is really good as this maniac. He never really seems normal, but he can definitely go to zero to sixty pretty quickly and being crazy, which I thought worked. And then we also get to see Marilyn Burns, you know, from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, back as the wife to William Finley, who I know him from, you know, some movies as well, like this. I really do have an issue with his character of Roy though. Is I really have no idea why he's, you know, going as crazy as he ha- is the whole time that we pretty much get to see him. The only explanation I currently have is that the stress of what happened with their dog is really just kind of weighing on him and his wife is kind of just nagging. I really think that's something else that could have been tightened up. It's kind of funny to see Kyle Richards here who I know from Halloween as a little girl. I do think that Kristen Sinclair as Libby Wood is pretty solid even though she doesn't get a whole lot of screen time and then we also have other cameos here from like Mel Ferrer, Carolyn Jones, as I said already early Robert England and Yanis Blythe. It's just kind of interesting to see them in different things throughout the years and then seeing them in this movie especially with some of these because they're quite young. Um, It's just a pretty wild cast that we have here which definitely helps the movie and we also get to see quite a few of the women topless so i mean if that's something you're looking for i mean it's definitely something i'm not going to complain about now what i'll also say here is that the effects of this movie are pretty subdued but it also makes sense i'm assuming there wasn't a large budget to work with here and the blood looks good and the setting is also quite creepy being out in the middle of nowhere and just how everything looks and i mean the hotel itself being you know very dilapidated as it is there's never a moment where anything takes me out of it, and they were doing well in hiding some of the effects on top of that, so I do have to give credit to how the movie is shot. I also really noticed the lighting this time around. It's always kind of dark, and we get these kind of almost neon stuff where I'm assuming Hooper might have been borrowing this from, like, Bava or some more of Italian cinema. I also really like the soundtrack because this also kind of has a that type of vibe as well, and I do believe Hooper was one of the ones who helped kind of bring it up, and I really noticed it this time and how creepy it helped to kind of fit the movie. So what I will say here is that this isn't the best I've ever seen from Toby, but this one is definitely creepy. I like the setting and the idea behind the movie. I do think that they even could have just developed a bit more of the story and it would have worked even better. It is paced in a way though where it never gets boring and moves you through the plot points at a good clip. There's a really interesting cast and I really didn't have any issues there. They were all solid It is a bit light on the effects, but what we do get were practical and do look good for me. The soundtrack also fits with the country music that Judd listens to. I think there might even be a little bit of gospel in there as well. While also giving us this creepy vibe for some of the other selections when they need it. I think this is a movie that is, you know, just over average for me. Almost just hovering right below, you know, being above average. We do get some interesting things though. And I would say if you like Toby Hooper, this is definitely... One that I feel like is underseen, which I make sense, Duncan, why you'd pick this one, but definitely should be seen by more people. So, my rating for this movie is actually I've come up from my first time seeing it, and I'm at a 3.5 out of 5 on the T put scale. So, and then for my tagline, Duncan, is I have Judd runs the Starlight Hotel in his remote part of Texas. He's a bit eccentric, but whatever you do, don't make him mad, or you'll never check out alive can't wait to hear what everybody else thought about eating alive hope people enjoy it as much as i do can't wait to figure out duncan what you have for toby hooper's output for the 1980s i was kind of looking through his filmography kind of a couple that i'm going to put pl- hold close to the vest to see if i'm you know right on which one i think might actually be picked but regardless can't wait to hear the episode and always duncan thank you so much for everything that you do this is david garrett jr signing off
0: and thanks very much to david garrett jr for that review always great to hear from you my friend right let's move on a, a name and a voice that we haven't heard in a little while is returning to the warm bosom of movie club don and ellie is back he's back, <laughs> don says hello all and so sorry for the long absence from this series Basically, a double-pronged series of actions prevented my participation with my general disinterest in Cronenberg's output and my Women in Horror month festivities that resulted in my interviewing around 150 figures in the scene over the course of a month and a half. So research, publishing and much more to deal with for a combined knock to me right out of the series for the past few months. Don, you have been missed and it's great to have you back buddy. However that's neither here nor there and we're here to discuss Toby Hooper's eating Alive. Honestly though I wish I'd kept my distance from the series as I never really cared for this one at all. The main reason to like this is the cast and the gator in action which I don't care for for who's in it and all this. The acting it means nothing to me although I can recognize the quality of the names involved and the creature itself looks great in the scenes generating a lot of fun here with the wild concept of the creature's presence at the location. Beyond that I just find the film incredibly dull and uninteresting for the majority of its runtime. Nothing much happens here from the constant conversations about missing guests or the sneakiness of Judd moving around the hotel grounds he brings his murdering quiet from the parents of one of the victims it just feels overly long and plodding for me trying to make the fact that it's cookie kids are going to keep our interest in this universe but hooper unfortunately did this better in texas chainsaw massacre so it just feels like he's retreading familiar ground in a lesser format as it never explodes the situation as well as did with the sawyer clan several years earlier this could have been interesting with a great setup and a place but i don't think it gets much out of it like it should that means i can only go as high as 1.5 out of 5 on the netflix scale for this one as for the tagline let's go with judd's hotel is open for business but you're on the menu otherwise hopefully i can i hope i can keep up with these again and i hope everyone stays safe take care of themselves and I will see you all on the next challenge. Thank you very much, Don, for coming back. I've got it in the back of my head that you are a bit of a fan of Toby Hooper, so I think moving on in the series, we might be able to bring a smile to your face. Right, let's keep it going, shall we? Another audio review is making its way to you. It comes from Kate Pollock and Kate says
2: Hi Duncan and TeaPots listeners. Hope you're all doing well. It's Kate Pollock here to give my review of Eatin' Alive from 1976, directed by Toby Hooper. Um, well, from start to finish, this is yeah, this is classic Toby Hoover. Um, it's dirty, it's seedy, it's sweaty, it's it's all these things that we associate with him thanks to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It even yeah, you know, even stars Marilyn Burns. Um, so the basic premise is this hotel owner in the swamps of Texas who has a pet crocodile whom he feeds his guests should they seem I don't know I guess unchristian just I guess just whoever upsets him um, and whatever morals he kind of holds Um, before we meet Judd the hotel and crocodile owner we meet Clara um, a young prostitute whose latest client played by the ever so icky Robert Englund yeah, he, he tries to basically an- alien, ugh, anally rape her after she refuses to give him anal sex and then she's essentially fired for it, especially since Buck is a regular client apparently. Um, even so, harsh. I mean, this whole scene is just very uncomfortable and really just raises feeling of outrage in me honestly um especially with how it's dealt with by the um brothel madam um or madam uh miss hattie um but then i think i think that's the point um although <laughs> there is one bit that <laughs> the the line that um that robert england says uh, my <laughs> my name's burke and i'm roaring to fuck That did make me laugh. Um, I apologize for my accent there. That was terrible. But yeah, that line was good. Um, It's just, yeah, it's just so fucking outrageous. Um, So yeah, so Clara, after leaving, she then takes refuge in this hotel. Um, She's directed there by one of the, I think she's a cleaner. She's not a prostitute, but she works at the brothel. Um, this really kind lady. She um, advises Clara not to tell Judd that she's one of "quote unquote" Miss Hattie's girls. Um, but quickly after her arrival, um, yeah, he 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 basically comes to that conclusion on his own. Um, and then he stabs her up with um, with a pitchfork, he stabs her up real good, um, before feeding her to the crocodile. Um, yeah, and then. This whole, I mean, this whole scene at the hotel is really very tense, and and I really feel for Clara, especially thanks to the opening scene. Um, this, you know, this scene really does raise feelings of discomfort, and I'm gonna use that word a lot in this review. Discomfort, um, yeah, and and that's only further agitated by the score. Um, the score in the scene, is, and for the most part of the film, it's not it's not music, but rather these off kilter, high pitched. I don't know, just it's just noise, really, for lack of a better term. Um, it's really disconcerting to listen to. And that's totally the point, I think. Toby Hooper ain't trying to make anyone feel good in this flick. Um, the sound design though is great. You know, the slicing and dicing of and the crunching of the pitchfork is really visceral and effective here. Um, so yeah, that was that was really good. Um, we then shortly afterwards meet a family who are staying at the hotel and they're pretty fractious and kind of annoying and and generally just pretty awful they have a little girl um played by uh carly richards who insanely she's been in a few other horror things i looked her up because i was like who is she she's been in a few other horror bits and bobs here and there but um apparently she grew up to star in the real housewives of beverly hills just nuts to think where she's kind of come from and where she's ended up um anyway so her parents this couple they just kind of argue and and fight and they're quite vicious in front of her like you know they're really yeah vicious um to each other um and I really feel for this girl already and you know shit's not about to get any easier for her either you know um firstly she starts crying because she witnesses her dog being eaten alive by the crocodile. So that's enough to set anybody off. Um, And this crying is basically the soundscape for most of the rest of the movie. It's this really kind of whiny, miserable cry and Really, all you hear from her whenever she's on screen. I mean, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that she doesn't have good reason to cry. Between you know, seeing her dog being eaten alive by a crocodile, her parents fighting, then being chased by a madman and/or crocodile, and then having to hide under a porch in like the cold mud in the dark. Like, yeah, I I would be crying too. Um, but just just the the tone of the crying is just quite unpleasant to listen to, and again, it just makes you feel really uncomfortable in your seat um well yeah the acting the acting is pretty good actually especially our psychopath judd played by neville brand now this could just be because i've been re-watching twin peaks lately but he gave me really strong killer bob vibes you know like his smile his expressions the way that he kind of lunges after people very reminiscent in my opinion yeah um but yeah his performance is really effective it's very scary and unnerving and you know at times just downright horrific um and you know the film is much more about him as a threat rather than the crocodile which I was kind of surprised about um and to be fair like if his performance hadn't been so electric it might have been a bit disappointing too but Bran did this role brilliantly truly unhinged and believable um well I mean within the realms of this film and so yeah so I didn't mind that there was there was more focus on him. Um, the rest of the cast were great, namely a pre-Freddie Robert Englund and a post-Sally Mar- Marilyn Burns, both of whom you could tell were really putting everything into these roles. I think um, Robert Englund particularly looked like he was having a great time of it. Marilyn Burns, given what her character goes through, probably not so much, but she was definitely putting her all in. As I previously mentioned, um, the character of Buck is um, pretty abusive. He's pretty rapey, very seedy, and yeah, England in this role just really made my skin crawl. Marilyn Burns' character, she's a bit of an odd duck. Um, she's not very likable, to be honest. Um, you know, But then as the film goes on, she does sort of display this vulnerability. I mean, being tied to a bed against your will will do that. <laughs> um, but you know, we kind of see more of her and her husband and we kind of gave a bit of an understanding about why she might not be happy in this marriage and why she might sort of say and do awful things with her husband. I mean, neither of them are great, Both of them are pretty awful to each other. Um, And not that it excuses that kind of bad behaviour, but I do feel like we kind of get a bit of an understanding more as we go of of her and and why she is how she is. Um, And then, yeah, when she's tied to the bed, fair play, she goes for it. She's like kicking and twisting and shrieking and and bucking up and down trying to get free. It's really full on. So, yeah, massive props to her as I imagine that probably took it out of her and was not easy to film. Um... The cinematography, so um, yeah, that's it's quite strange. And normally I'd say it's not great. It's, it's pretty dark aside from when it's just red all over um, for a good chunk of like, I don't know, but like in the first half, there's just a good chunk where it's just this red filter over everything. And I'm still not entirely sure where that's supposed to be sourced from within the film, but yeah, there you go. Um, so things like that normally would bother me. And it kind of did, but again, this is... I think Toby Hooper playing with his audience. So I quite like the fact that I didn't like it because I think that that's the effect that he was going for. So, you know, it worked. Um, the same with the score. I've touched on the score before, um, but yeah, it's worth mentioning here. It, it, it sounds horrific, but again, I think it's supposed to. I mean, this is a film about a psychopath who feeds people to a crocodile, including children, if he was able to like you know had the chance um you know he savagely beats and ties up women he rages around screaming in swampy texas with a pitchfork or you know even a fucking scythe at the end like who was a scythe i don't know if that's like a tool for maybe like the 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 woodlands around and like the swamps and things probably but still though that was that was that was a lot <laughs> but I, I i appreciate it i yeah he doesn't love a scythe um you know so <laughs> anyway so we're not you know we're not supposed to be feeling nice and cozy here and the score just you know as i said before it just does a really great job in further accentuating that the set design is great um you really feel that oppressive heat similar to texas chainsaw mask just um more um more moist (laughs) um you know you feel this kind of cloying while watching and i like how it's mainly around this one location too there's a lot of enclosed space despite the hotel being located in the like swamps and, and these sort of great outdoors you know you've got the porch rails you've got the under the porch itself the banisters the size of the rooms you know they aren't the biggest of rooms and it kind of all makes you feel like a little bit trapped um so yeah again very effective um the crocodile effects were great so okay we didn't see it too often and yes it was often relatively dark but what we did see of it was really done well I thought Um, and there were points where you did actually see it sort of quite close up and I thought the detailing was good I thought that its movements were realistic Um, you know it moved like a fucking powerhouse animal you know just lunging at its prey. And yeah, I thought they did it really well. And then at the end, ultimately, um, when it bites Judd's head, presumably off. (laughs) um, Yeah, that was really cool, I really loved that. Um, Just like the whole thing in its mouth, (laughs) it's fucking great. Um, And then like, you know, a couple of minutes later, we just sort of see his wooden leg just sort of floating on its own, um, because he has been eaten. And yeah, I I really appreciated that. (laughs) Um, So things that I didn't like, one didn't like the dog dying not a fan didn't like it unless there's you've got john wick you know avenging its death don't want it (laughs) i don't like it (laughs) um second thing i i didn't really like the the characters much um aside from the little girl and to be honest that's only because i have a soft spot for kids in movies um otherwise you know her crying was doing my head in so you know otherwise i probably wouldn't have cared about her that much if it went for my soft spot um and and then also Clara who gets Drew barrymore right at the beginning I really I just didn't really like anyone that much so I didn't care too much about whether they lived or died um I was actually quite pleased when a couple of them mainly Buck um got taken out uh but because Judd was just so flippin entertaining like that's okay like I'm quite happy to see him run around like a madman and and making all these weird noises and doing his best Bob impression 25 years before Bob is even a thing, Um, you know, and and taking out these people left, right and centre. That, to me, is a good time. Um, Although, fair play, that that one bit, or actually, no, I think there's a couple of bits where he's beating Marilyn Burns, like, he's smacking her around the head and things, like, that is brutal, like, pure savagery. That was, yeah, that, that wasn't, too fun for me um but yeah overall um this yeah this is a film that is is toby hooper all over um i completely appreciated sorry um everything that it was doing even if i didn't necessarily like it um you know the experience itself um i mean you know as i say For the most part, this is not a film that I can say that I enjoyed so much, but there was a lot of fun to be had with it. And I thought that for the most part, it was done really well. So yeah, it's a 3.5 out of five for me. um, And my tagline is, when it comes to being eaten alive, there ain't no distinctions. (laughs) i feel that's kind of obvious um (laughs) uh, but you know there you go um so yeah thanks duncan for choosing this movie it'll be really good to go through some of toby hooper's back catalogue actually i think um i probably you'll probably pick up ones that i haven't seen before so looking forward to that and yeah cheers everyone hope you enjoyed my review and looking forward to hearing everyone else's
0: Bye. And thanks very much to Kate for that review. Right, let's bring it in, shall we? One review left on this show, which means it's coming from the patron saint of movie club reviewers. It's our good buddy Lee Russell. Lee
1: says. Alright, Eden Alive for Movie Club 1976. This one's an interesting one for Toby Hooper because it feels like he needed, or if some maybe someone pressured him into diving deep into the exploitation genre, making the elements of Texas Chainsaw Massacre much more exploitive and like just going full-on in into what was going on in the 70s as far as gore and sex and all those things. And you can't blame them. I mean, it's what you really kind of had to do to sell a movie... And I don't quite recall how well this movie did, but it's not bad. I mean, people shit on Toby Hooper, especially for his later outfit, and, you know, rightly so. But I mean, this is really good, although it is kind of derivative. Like, it is very much redoing a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but adding a lot of blood into it. But, I mean, like, you look at Neville Brand's performance, it's very much really akin to the uh, performances you get from the family in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, very much on, on par with that. I mean, this feels like it's in the same universe. It f- almost feels like he's related to that family in a certain respect. But this is very much an exploitation film that's just... It's constant setups for... Some sexuality and then violence with the crocodile. Uh, the crocodile is really good, by the way. Like it's low budget. Uh, the way it's lighted, very interesting. Like you got some, you know, I think gel filters or whatever the fuck on the lights. So it creates an atmosphere, and you don't really see the crocodile all too well. So it works, even though you know, like the crocodile prosthetic that use used, the animatronic crocodile, whatever the fuck it is. Still looks really good for what we're presented here. And I think all the performances are pretty good. I mean, Robert England as the uh, uh, hillbilly uh, I, w- I don't want to say rapist, but um, he's very suspect. Because at one point he's, he's trying to do kinky sex with the local prostitute. Not necessarily kinky, but he, I guess he's just trying to is this implied he's trying to do anal sex or is it just doggy style either way it's too much for the ill-fated prostitute who runs to the hotel and gets killed Um, but he has an underage girlfriend I guess at some point in this film Uh, although you know she's supposed to be presented as underage but she shows her boobies and she looks of age and I'm not going to complain too much but, you know, Robert England is still a pretty deplorable character in this, and he gets his comeuppance uh, as most people do in this film. Yeah, it's, it's. There's not a lot of story to this. Let's be frank about it. There's not a lot of story. It de- definitely doesn't have the suspense and the buildup of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It just kind of, like, uses some good bits from Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this. To make it a little bit more horrific, it almost feels like make a 1970s exploitation film. All right, there he did it. It's fine. Um, It's not my favorite Toby Hooper film. It's not my least favorite Toby Hooper film. I think it's pretty goddamn good. All said and done, I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of five on the Netflix scale. And as for a tagline, here we go. It's easy to check into the Starlight Hotel. But checking out is hell. And there we go. Looking forward to the other people's reviews. Cheers, Duncan. I'm super fucking excited about this, by the way. Toby Hooper. You're right, dude. You're speaking to me. I want to hear everyone else's reviews of this one. Very excited! Cheers, guys. We'll see you again. Bye.
0: And thanks very much to Lee for his review. So there you go. That's all our listener reviews in for this episode. Join me on Thursday when I announce movie number two. We're switching over to the eighties, which you know is just goddamn cray cray when it comes to that Toby Hooper output. I'm going to take my final break of this episode. When I come back, I'm closing the show, and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to The Podcast Under The Stairs. And you've been listening to The Podcast Under The Stairs. This has been bonus episode 347. It's been Movie Club listener reviews for Challenge Teapots, May 2021. The first stop in a four-part series looking at Toby Hooper movies with a little bit of Eating Alive from 1976. Thank you all to the listeners out there who submitted reviews for this episode. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stage. Wherever you're listening to right now, hit subscribe, that way you get the shows as and when they drop, and access to the entire back catalogue of Teapots content. Subscribe to the Teapots Collective, the sister feed to this feed, for lack of a better word. Um, and you get all the other shows that we do. Where to begin with, Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty, and Chronicle, plus those archives as well. Subscribing to both those feeds is the best way to support what I do. You can jump across to our website at teapotscast.com. Over there, you'll find links to all the shows as well as a link to Jaws is Shite and other regrettable outbursts, the booze bass banter podcast that features myself, The Baz, and Scotland Liam vs. Evil, where we drink a lot, we discuss regrettable life choices, we read out weird news stories, and read out your listener stories on air. As well. Jaws is Shite and other regrettable outbursts, that's where you can find it on teaputzcast.com. The merch page for podcasts under the stairs is teaputzcast.bigcartel.com. On Facebook, we can be found at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaputzcast. For the teapots Collective, it is just simply facebook.com forward slash teaputzcast. And for Jaws is Shite and other regrettable outbursts, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash regrettable pod. Reach out and interact with myself and the bars on the twin prongs of social media Sexness, Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at Cast. The podcast Under the Stairs returns on Saturday for some Urban Legend 2. The halfway mark of a Russian roulette franchise retro looking at the Urban Legend franchise. So until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I am signing off.